welcome to Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning with Wigan and Dana, the show where CPAs, insurance professionals, investment brokers, trust companies, CFPs, and more can firm up on their understanding of estate planning strategies so they can better guide their clients to make wise decisions with their legacy. Future Focus is hosted by Aaron Nichols and Michael Clear, partners of the Private Client Services Department at Wigan and Dana. Subscribe to Future Focused Sophisticated Estate Planning on your favorite podcast platform and share episodes with your clients. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron and Michael. Welcome to Future Focus. This is Michael Clear, and I'm joined by my partner, Aaron Nichols. Happy to be here. Thanks, Aaron. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that we hear from our clients fairly often, and that is how can I help an individual? purchase a house. This will often come up in the standpoint of somebody's buying a house and they're looking for assistance maybe with a down payment or sometimes a family member maybe wanting to help with the entire payment for a house. So Aaron, when that happens, what are a couple things that come to mind for you? Yeah, sure. So I think that this is, you know, an important topic now more than ever given where mortgage interest rates are going. So I think often the question is precipitated by a desire to figure out if there could be some sort of private financing solution. So certainly one of the strategies that we use a lot, not just for this, but for other big purchases as well, is an intra-family promissory note. So mom and dad can loan money to the child either to purchase the entire property or for a down payment and enjoy an interest rate that's lower than certainly what they would be able to get through traditional financing. Yeah. So in September 2023, that rate was for a loan more than three years. That rate is currently 4.19%. In October, actually, when this podcast hits, the rate increases to 4.43%, which historically isn't that high of a rate. But if we were talking a few years ago, we were seeing rates in the 1% or under 1% for this. So it certainly had a different feel at that point in terms of how much it was going to cost. Yeah, and it's 4 percent certainly feels like a big number compared to those historically low numbers. But certainly, I think the last I checked, Michael, the mortgage interest rates were up over 7%. Yeah. So it's still a bargain. It's still a bargain. <laughs> it's still a bargain. Okay. So you're going to loan your child money. Sometimes a parent will want to provide a lot of the money and let's say there's no bank financing at play. In that case, we want a promissory note that charges an interest rate and it sets out terms and requires interest payments. And then there's a question of whether or not you're going to secure the note with a mortgage. And often that discussion comes in a couple different flavors or concerns. In some states, there may be a mortgage tax for actually filing the mortgage, which should come into consideration when thinking about the overall costs. The mortgage provides security to the parent lender to make sure that the child or beneficiary can't go out and get another mortgage on the property or access any of the liquidity. Then I think from an income tax standpoint, the mortgage, the note secured by the mortgage gives an argument for the deductibility of the interest payments. So using the note and a mortgage sometimes hits those goals as well. Yeah, I know that came up recently for me where the 
real estate attorney we were working with said any form of security agreement in the state that we were in, if it was recorded on the land records, it was sufficient to get that mortgage interest deduction. So um, it could be pretty simple, but I think if it's recorded on the land records, it often meets the requirements. So sometimes parents won't want to use their own funds for those loans, but a child may have trusts. They may be a beneficiary of a trust. A trust may have access to money. And instead of making a distribution to the child, the trust may in fact make a loan. So those first two ideas, one is a loan from the parent and another is a loan from a trust where the beneficiary, where the purchaser is a beneficiary. And I think a difference certainly with a trust as the lender is that really the trust could charge something less than that AFR applicable federal rate that Michael was saying before was at just over 4% for October. If the child is a beneficiary of the trust, then the trustees can make a decision to make a loan to the beneficiary for less than adequate interest, which would be that threshold 4.1%. And then part of the missed interest payment, I should say, right, is essentially a trust distribution to the child mm-hmm. okay. constructively. So I guess looking back at that, we have two main strategies, one main strategy so far, which is loaning money to the child, either loaning an amount for a down payment or loaning the entire amount or using a trust to loan it. Sometimes if beneficiaries have trust, another option may be for the trust actually to buy the property instead of the individual. That's certainly always our preference when we're talking with clients and advisors about asset protection planning. We like the idea of titling staying in a trust that's relatively protected from creditors, but it's not always the desired solution, especially for the child. Often the child wants ownership vested in themselves, right? So they can enjoy the benefit of the appreciation. But it's certainly another option that we should think about as we're exploring these. And then from there, I think it's about simply making a gift. Let's go first, let's use continue with trusts and we can make a distribution from a trust to the beneficiary for the beneficiary to be able to make a down payment or a full payment on the house. Yeah. And so if that distribution is from a grantor trust that we've talked about in previous episodes, then there wouldn't be any sort of income tax consequence to the trust distribution to the child. Right. And then maybe our last option would be for the client to actually simply give the money using assets from their current estate. Yeah. So, I mean, the downside there is that there would be a taxable gift made, assuming that the amount given is in excess of the annual exclusion amount, which is $17,000 annually. Now we are told that it will rise to $18,000 in 2024. But obviously in this scenario, it would be expected to exceed that amount, even if mom and dad are both making the gift. So definitely a conversation about whether that makes sense to utilize some lifetime exemption from transfer tax for that purpose. So I think the next point that we wanted to talk about hits on when the child or the beneficiary wants to secure a mortgage on the house. So the transfer, the gift or the loan from the parent 
to the child is only designed to cover a portion of the expenses of the purchase of the house. And the child plans on getting a traditional mortgage. Maybe the parents are going to give effectively the 20% down payment and the child's going to finance the rest or really any percentage. So the child's going to try to qualify for a mortgage and utilize the funds from the parents for the down payment. Sometimes when we see those situations, we want to alert our clients of the fact that timing becomes important. In the best of all worlds, we'd want to do the loan or the gift to the child probably several months before a transaction is in place so that the money is in the control of the child for a period of time. When the bank is doing its underwriting, what will sometimes happen is they'll flag the deposit or if there hasn't been a deposit and the parents are simply saying they're going to loan the child funds close to the time of the closing, the underwriting process will often come back and ask the parent to sign some sort of a form that says, this is a gift. So that can throw a monkey wrench. Yeah, don't like that. (laughs) In the loan strategy, if you have to sign a document that says this is a gift and it comes from the underwriting side of the bank and it happens frequently, especially when, you know, you find that house, if somebody's excited about it and you don't have three months to go ahead and plan for the actual liquidation there or the letting the money sit in the child's account. So planning ahead in these situations can be very helpful. Yeah, Absolutely. Have you ever seen a scenario where a trust actually obtains traditional financing through a bank? So put another way, right? So we talked about the trust as the lender or making a distribution for the child to be the purchaser. But is it an option for a trust that the child's a beneficiary of? I'm just going to say, tell me more, Aaron. I'm hoping you have a good story for me here. No, I'm just thinking if there's timings an issue, I think it could be an alternative where, for example, a trust is making a loan to the beneficiary for a down payment. The beneficiary otherwise was going to be obtaining a traditional mortgage, but the down payment from the trust distribution hasn't sat Mm -hmm. in the child's account for long enough. So I think in that scenario, it has come up in the past where the trustees don't think that it makes sense to do a private financing situation, but the trust is very often a good candidate for a traditional mortgage itself, Mm -hmm. I think, as an alternative. I think if the trust has funds, the trust itself might have enough for a down payment. The trust may have significant income to carry the loan. And then I I think either within the trust or in any of these other strategies, people are going to start to also look at margin accounts and the use of margin accounts to fund any portion of the overall payments. You might not often hear us talking about the benefits of a margin account, but maybe here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say it's a benefit. I'm saying it's a possible use. Let's just hit a couple more notes on the use of a loan, because I think a lot of times clients do, in fact, want to structure either the full mortgage amount has a loan or some portion of it. When we use loans, whether in a trust strategy like the purchase of a house or in a sale to a defective grant or trust strategy, there's certain kind of elements that we want to see. We want to make sure that the borrower is capable of repaying the loan. We want an actual document. We want a promissory note. That promissory note should charge interest. Um, We'd like it to charge interest above the minimum safe harbor rate. There should be a payment schedule. Payment should be made on that payment schedule or that payment schedule should be followed. Anything else there? 
I think that was great. I would just underscore the importance of keeping up to date on payments. It's not infrequent that we're faced with a situation where a note has not been properly administered. And it's very difficult to clean up because it's not just a matter of the child not having made payments to mom and dad on the note, but oftentimes then there's a failure of the parents to report this imputed interest income. And that can be a little messy to clean up. That could impact the income tax returns of the parents. Yes, right, exactly. So there you have it. I think a good conversation of some of the issues that we think about or we experience when clients approach us trying to figure out ways to get funds to a child or other beneficiary in the purchasing of a house. Do you have any final thoughts there? No, I think this was great, but certainly it's a fun topic to discuss. So happy to field questions from people if there are any. Great. Well, thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning, hosted by Aaron Nichols and Michael Clear, partners of the Private Client Services Department at Wigan and Dana. At Wigan and Dana, our aim is preserving the wealth that a family has worked so hard to create and pride ourselves in offering value-driven solutions and results. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, share episodes with your clients, and follow our highly talented, creative, and experienced lawyers on LinkedIn for even more great insight. We'll see you next time on Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning.